Hey everybody, welcome back to the Friends of Flavor podcast with your boy Kenny, aka Weezy Baby, the podcast about finding yourself within your friends while BSing along the way. And today I got David, he's back, it's been a long time, I guess since Christmas, he wanted to come back on and I'm glad to have him. And I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and today we'll be talking about uh, defending your woman, kind of hitting off the Will Smith thing, even though I'm tired of talking about Will Smith and... We're also going to label this episode The Great Debate because we'll be talking about uh, certain topics that are very highly debatable. drink for the sip of show and he's gonna tell you what he brought um, I'm not drinking it because I'm gonna try to stay strong and not drink this month but he's gonna he's gonna read this little script of what he brought oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so today I'm drinking Clyde May's special reserve it's a 110 proof five-year-old whiskey uh, Kenny wanted me to read part of the description on the side uh, because Clyde Mays boasts, you know, it's from the Conecuh Ridge of Alabama. Uh, but bur- it's a bourbon, and bourbon can't be made in Alabama. If you're going to call something a bourbon, it has to be made in Kentucky only. But then I looked on the side, and it's bottled in Indiana. So honestly, I have no idea how they're getting away with this. I a little think, bit of here, a little bit yeah, of there. Yeah, they're kind of cheating the system, if you yeah. ask me. But it says, uh, to keep this whole Conecuh Ridge-Alabama connection, it goes back to Clyde Mays himself. Uh, it says, Clyde gifted most of his very best whiskey to close friends and lucky locals. Clyde's whiskey was forged in hand-built stills. Receiving it was seen as a sign of respect along Alabama's Conecuh Ridge. Today, this five-year-old straight bourbon represents a generous amount of caramelized orchard and citrus fruits that mingle in the palate with clove <laughs> and other wood spices for a fill, long finish. Bottles at a smooth one. <laughs> special reserve. <laughs> That's great. They need to uh, sponsor. You need to get a sponsorship from them. I like how they like. Oh, these things mingle together. Like it's just a, a dance of all these ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> like the dance of the sugar plum fairies, but with uh, whiskey barrels. Yeah, something like that. I think Rachel brought this up too. Mandy's wife about. Mm-hmm. I guess whiskey can't be labeled bourbon unless it's made in Kentucky, which right. I, I was like, is that the only thing that makes it a bourbon? Is like, it's just in Kentucky? There's a couple things. Did she go into any more detail? No, I, if she did, I probably don't remember because I'm a goldfish. <laughs> I don't blame you. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, there are a couple of stipulations. One of them, yes, is that it has to come from Kentucky. Another is that it has to be in a new barrel. It can't be reused. Otherwise, it becomes labeled as like a something else. I don't know if they call it a blend or uh, there, there's probably another special word for it. But it has to be, you know, like new barrel, never been touched. Uh, I mean, it can be any wood. It can be any char, uh, blah, blah, blah. And there's probably one or two other things that go into it. I don't remember all the details. I just remember the location and then the barrel type. <laughs> 
but you know, scotch is kind of that way too. Where actually, one of the odd things about scotch is that it has to be made in previously used whiskey barrels. I think I don't think it's bourbon barrels because they've been making scotch longer than bourbon. I'm pretty sure, but I so read, is, is scotch a Scottish thing or is it like I think it. Well, I think the way that it was created is originating in Scotland. Um, you know, scotch is made more from a peat which I think is much more prevalent in Scotland. But you can get like peat moss and you know other like peaty kind of grains or mashes uh, from elsewhere as well. I think you and Rachel would have a great uh, whiskey debate and, <laughs> or a talk. And um, I've, I've actually told Rob, I was like, man, I need to step up my bougie whiskey game. And, uh, <laughs> it's an expensive habit. Oh, if yeah. you don't have any spare cash, don't bother. I mean, I might or might not. I don't know. Uh, depends if Roth lets me have the spare cash. <laughs> <laughs> well, save up your allowance. Yeah. Oh, I don't. Do I get those? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the first thing it was gonna be um, talking about defending a woman's honor uh, and with the whole Will and Jada thing, whatever. We all know what happened with that. So, like, I asked Roth this too in our last podcast that we did together uh, because it was fresh off the week that that whole thing happened but my question is just like as a man when do you when do you feel the need to step in and I guess not necessarily fight get in a scrap with anybody but just like defend I guess anyone who's more or less disrespecting or insulting your lady well I had mentioned to Michelle that we were going to discuss this and her very first uh reaction straight out of her mouth no hesitation was I don't need nobody defending that. And <laughs> That's I, such a Michelle answer. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah. Like, I think instinctually, of course, we want to defend our loved ones. You know, that's like first impulse. That's kind of, you know, built into you. But, you know, I, yeah, it, it, it would depend. You know, if somebody's just kind of slinging a casual insult or, you know, I guess the inspiration for this is a joke, you know. Great. I, I don't get enough David jokes lately, so... No, 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 that's not what I was saying. I was <laughs> oh. saying, like, Chris Rock made a joke. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, like, called to Will Smith to look over at his wife and be like, oh, she didn't like that, let me defend her. Right. You know, if, if someone makes a joke about Michelle, I, I don't care if it's a joke. Yeah. You know, especially if it's not with malicious intent. Like, even if somebody was trying to be mean to her, you know, I would kind of, like, my, I would stiffen a little bit and, like, kind of be ready to go, but I know in my mind, like, if I have a second to think, I'm going to know, hey, Michelle, she's not going to want anybody to defend her. She's more than capable of doing it herself. Yeah. And it's, I think it's only, I, I can't think of a scenario where it would happen, but if, if somehow she was incapable of defending herself properly, then I would step in. Of course, if it were bad enough, you know, and it was, I guess, aggressive enough, then yeah, I would definitely step in yeah. and do something about it. Uh, I don't want to resort to violence. I've never been in a fight in my life. That was actually my next question. So, have yeah, you ever I've, been I've in a never, scrap? No, I've never, ever <laughs> in my life been in a scrap fight, anything like that. Yeah. So, you know, violence would probably not go well for me. I mean, I don't know. It depends. It depends on how good that first hit is. Right. Uh, I got punched once, but it was it was kind of a blindsided punch, and I I didn't really retaliate because it was just like, he stopped, so he didn't like sit there and pound on me. Like if he was, if this person just kept on going, then I was like, okay, 
like I would retaliate, but it was just kind of one of those things. It's like I really didn't like I didn't even know the guy, and I didn't really have beef with him. It was just like a huge misunderstanding between like internet posts or something like that. It, it was really stupid, and it was like when we were in high school. But I mean, uh, I, high school drama. Yeah, I agree with you. It's like to me, I, I really wouldn't make a scene, I guess, unless it was just like if someone's just blatantly one being racist towards mm-hmm. me or, or Roth or if they like you know do something sexual towards her or something like that yeah know? that would be that would really like grind my gears quick like something oh, it really some grinds my gears <laughs> <laughs> yeah if someone tried to make a sexual advance and like Michelle was too uncomfortable to defend herself I'd be quick to step in and be like I'm gonna bow up and ask someone to yeah. step down but you know, honestly, I'm I, I'm like a people pleaser, and I I hate me tension. Too. Like you know, I've I've got anxiety, and that's one of the things that causes me anxiety is when like there's a lot of like palpable tension, and, like when somebody doesn't like me. So I'm I'm gonna first I think instinctually try to diffuse a situation, but if it's beyond the point where I think that you know anything's gonna be settled. Then... It's it's funny that you say it because I'm I'm the same way, especially with you know some of my recent uh relationships um where i do feel like there is tension you know Mm -hmm. yeah um i I, yeah i think everybody gets violent thoughts every now and then uh because we all get mad uh, and want to lash out but honestly i don't think violence is in my nature so uh, you know on this on this topic i will say that i've got a strong-minded independent woman who's very capable and you know can defend herself so i I don't think Uh, it'll ever require me to do something like that and i certainly don't want to react the way will smith did yeah yeah and yeah like i said that was such a michelle answer and just being around her knowing her like yeah she's definitely capable of defending herself and ross kind of i don't know she's like i don't think ross would be much of a fighter but she has she has a look that makes you regret (laughs) you know living um she has this evil stare that you you wouldn't want to see at all so do you, do you, vice versa, do you think your woman should defend you? Not necessarily like in a fight, but, you know, more or less verbally. Um, I think it's kind of out of respect. Michelle's going to give me the same opportunity that I would give her to like handle it myself. You know, I mean, she's also one of those people that like is very loyal and would want to defend me. You know, yeah. I, if she, she hates to see anybody mistreat me and has told me as much. So I think right. she, yeah, she would be quick to want to jump in and do something, but I, I don't know if she would be, I guess it would depend on the situation again, you know, if it would be something that would get her heated enough to do it without, rea- like, thinking about it, to react. What, like, if, what if it's a situation where she kind of doesn't think you're in the wrong person, or in the right per se, like, she doesn't agree with why you're, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I don't. We. I don't think we've ever been put in that situation where she was like, "I'm. I know he's wrong, but I'm gonna defend him anyway." Yeah. I mean, she. She has no like hesitation to tell me when I'm wrong, but you know, usually that's like between us. Yeah. You know. Uh, and that really, that's to me, that's how it should. Be. Yeah, I, I feel like you should. You should defend your spouse. I, I've kind of wrestled with the question of like, you know. If your spouse is in the wrong and they get in an argument with somebody, you know, how do you handle it? Because 
you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people that, like, I, I want to make sure the person that's right knows they're right. Yeah, true. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, like, you know, there, there are gray areas. Like, you know, your, your loyalty to your spouse definitely supersedes any, I guess, ties to a stranger that would make you team up on your spouse. Yeah. You know, so in that case, I would probably, def- you know, if it was Michelle was wrong and I knew she was wrong, I would defend her publicly and then be like, hey, you really shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. I agree, yeah. Uh, 100%. <clears throat> kind of on the same topic, in a relationship, like, so, so you're pretty newly married, do you think jealousy is okay in a relationship? Maybe a little bit. I'm a very jealous person, and I, I've told Michelle that. I, I hate hearing stories about any of her past relationships. Mm. Just, it doesn't, it makes me feel uncomfortable. And... I don't feel like that should be the case because, I mean, you know, everyone's lived their life. And right. if we hadn't met yet, you know, it's like, well, what, well, what can you expect? You know, someone's not going to wait their entire life just and then know when the right person comes along and be like, okay, now I can be in a relationship. You know, that's not how it works. So everyone's free to live their life. You know, everyone's past is their past. So it, it bothers me that I'm jealous that she was in relationships before me. <laughs> I, know, I know that's not fair. Yeah, but I'm still a jealous person, yeah. and I don't I don't always like it. But at the same time, I feel like you should want and love and you know just have a certain desire for that person enough to where like if they start flirting with someone else, you're not going to be okay with it. Because you know I feel I mean like if you're in an open relationship and that's your thing, fine. Yeah, it, it just kind of depends on the state of your relationship. You know if you're if you're in a state where you're loyal to each other, you've agreed, you know, hey, we're not going to try to go for anyone else. Yeah. You know, this is what we have is just for us. Right. Then if somebody else is, you know, trying to hit on them or if you see them kind of being flirty with someone else, then, yeah, it's like, hey, you know, I thought what we had was, you know, reserved for us. Right. You know, I don't want anybody tr- getting the wrong idea or, you know, trying to tempt you to, to do something that you said you weren't going to do. But, you know, I think jealousy can also be a sign that you lack trust, maybe. Mm-hmm. So you, you definitely have to, to establish, like, a certain level and, you know, understand that a, a little bit's okay, but, that you know, there's a certain point where I think jealousy just becomes unnecessary and right. kind of toxic. I, th- I think so, too, and I, I agree with you. Like, too much jealousy is toxic, and um, a little bit to me is good and the fact that it to me it kind of kind of attractive or kind of reassuring to me like for you to be jealous of michelle's past relationship i one i I couldn't relate because roth hasn't been with too many people and we definitely are each other's first uh everything pretty much and um so I, i couldn't relate to you on that but i also feel like you know you like you said you can't really can't or really shouldn't get too mad at michelle for that but because, oh, yeah. you know, she's just living her life. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, she, she doesn't regret any of her past, and I, I mean, she shouldn't. Yeah. When I think jealousy is kind of okay is because, like, um, of course, we all know, like, kind of our limitations of, like, yeah, what's good and what's wrong and stuff like that. Like, you can tell when someone's kind of flirting with you, and you, 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 you can see that. And sometimes you can be oblivious well, to it. I was going to say. <laughs> sometimes you can't be oblivious There's... to it. Some of us have been completely clueless. Oh, yeah. Roth, Roth is 100% clueless when anyone is flirting with her. But to me, like, if 
if I was clueless and she noticed, like, oh, man, that girl's being a little too touchy-feely, like, you know, if some girl's like, hee and putting her arm on you or whatever, <laughs> and, like, you're just, like, maybe you're just out at a social event just having a good time or whatever, and you're just mingling or whatever, and you think nothing of it, and then, you know, here comes your girl, I'm like, hey, let's go, or, you know, like, or she's like, excuse me, you know, if she butts mm-hmm. in to me, I'm just like, oh, that's kind of attractive, because she's kind of, like, claiming me, right? Like, hey, yeah. this is my man, I know... You know, you might think he's attractive or whatever, but like to me, that that part of jealousy is kind of kind of cool. You know, it's kind of like yeah. I mean, you should <clears> want <throat> you know your spouse to be just for you. I think yeah, uh, I guess, for sure. Again, you know, there are people in open relationships that do you know whatever, and that's you know as long as it's fine for both of them, you know, I guess have your fun. But at the same <laughs> time, I think for most of us, we all have kind of committed right. to you know one person, that one person only. So yeah, when somebody's trying to like step in on that relationship and yeah you you kind of want to defend your territory and and when you have like an attractive spouse as we both do and pretty cool spouses then in a way that kind of comes with the territory you know it's kind of like you you know guys are gonna come come on to your wife or whatever but yeah it's kind of like you just know when it's okay when it's not okay you know yeah and <laughs> I, I do try to see it that way like yeah I mean, I'm I'm attracted to my wife, so of course I'm you know I'm gonna understand if someone finds her attractive. It's like, hey, I get it. Sometimes it's flattering, but then like it goes back to the beginning. You're defending your woman. It's like sometimes you know when it's disrespectful. Right. Yeah, I, I think you're right. There's there's a certain level where like it can be done respectfully. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you you've got a pretty attractive wife, and be like, yeah, thanks, I know. Yeah. And, you know, if that's as far as it goes, then it's like, okay, that's a compliment. But I yeah, think, any further, then it's just like, oh, okay. I think I've had this discussion before. I was like, um, I forgot when, but we're like, I was like, if, if we were at a bar and say I went to the restroom and this guy saw it and he bought you a drink, I would just be like, thanks, <laughs> you know, and just drink, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I think it, in that case, yeah. you know who she's going home with. Yeah, exactly. So at the end of the day, you know, sure, free drink, cool. I guess that's going to be our, our serious side podcast and we're going to jump into well because when i when i asked you to do the pod i was like hey do you want us to be more serious or you want it to be fun david's answer was actually perfect in that well what your podcast is finding yourself while bsing along the way so i would say a little bit of both and um to me that was was the perfect answer that you can give i guess then we'll get into the great debate section um so well we'll jump off into sports first so if you guys don't really want to listen to sports. Just listen anyways, because I'm pretty sure there'll be funny stuff in the middle. <laughs> but uh, one of the biggest debates that David is very livid and fired up about is... Uh, so angry. <laughs> yeah, so angry, fire-burning anime eyes. Um, he really hates Tom Brady. I never said that. And he does not think that he is the GOAT. Yes, that last part is true. I do not think that Tom Brady is the GOAT, unless you're talking about the greatest lucky person in all of sports history. Because I do not think that Tom Brady is the greatest player in football or sports in general. I'm not going to say player. Maybe in the position, quarterback. Well, okay. So at that point, you have to define what what is a quarterback's job and what makes them great because if a quarterback's job is to like manage the game and then play within the system then sure because Tom Brady's great at that he was brought into a system in New England uh, when he first got into the league that was 
very successful, but he's not the only person that could do it. He got injured one season, what was that, like 2008, right after the 07 season? Was that when Jimmy D came in? No, that was when Matt Castle That's came in for the Matt whole season. Castle. And they still had a winning record. Yep. Matt Castle, who off of that season went to the Chiefs and then proved that he sucked outside of New England, uh, led that team to a winning record without breaking. But I, I, which I never looked up the stats, but when Matt Castle came in, did that? How was their offensive numbers like? It was I mean, just, it was like man, right, it wasn't was, as good because yeah. Matt Castle's not as good. Yeah. But it was still. I mean, they were still good enough. I mean, again, they had a winning record, and Tom Brady went out week one. So that means he carried them the entire season. And I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. Like the Bill Belichick system is very hardcore, and that's why everyone wanted to leave because it was. It was not yeah, fun. It's, it was it's, very process, it's very process-oriented. It's, it's Alabama taken to the pros. Because, yeah. I mean, Saban came from Belichick. You know, they have very similar philosophies and coaching styles. But, you know, the thing about New England over the course of Tom Brady's career is that they had very good defenses, very good special teams, and very good skill players. I mean, you think of guys like Wes Welker, one of the greatest. He kind of innovated. He created the slot position as it is today. And then following him, what was it? Uh, was it Amendola, or was it uh, who was the next big slot guy that they had that was wreaking havoc across the league? Well, you said Wes Welker, right? Yeah, it was whoever so, the white guy was that took over. It's probably <laughs> I think Amendola was after him, and then it was Julian Edelman, right? I think it was Edelman that ended up being the next guy that was like kind of revolutionizing the position that defined the way a slot receiver was looked at. But then you had like Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, and then. Uh, Tom, uh, uh, Randy Moss came in that one year, and t- actually Tom Brady was not a good statistical quarterback before 2007. Like he was kind of a game manager, low stats. Like you did not want him in a fantasy league before 2007. <laughs> I think that's why I'm sh- I-, I wasn't playing fantasy football back in 07. But if you know if you didn't draft Tom Brady, if he went undrafted in your league, that was completely understandable. Yeah. You know I drafted Russell Wilson his second year in the league. And that's when he went off. No, his second year, yeah. that was when they went to the Super Bowl. I, this is off topic a little bit. I, for some reason, I don't know what it was, before that season, I was like, I, I think the Seahawks are going to go to the Super Bowl. So I drafted Russell Wilson fantasy, and they did. And then they dominated in that Super Bowl. Yeah. But Russ was a game manager back then. Yeah. He didn't He didn't cook. <laughs> they so didn't let him cook. No, he yeah. didn't. He, he, he was just, still an apprenticeship. He let Marshawn Lynch in the defense <laughs> win games, which is kind of what New England was for well, several years. Well, so... The thing on that was just before Russ, it was very run oriented, right? Because mm-hmm. they had uh, was it Matt Hasselbeck when he their quarterback before Russ? Because they um, that was when he was there for a good while. I don't remember, I don't know if they had a transition between Hasselbeck and Dilfer? Russ. No, no, I think Dilfer after he left the Ravens, he went to the Bucks. Okay. Now I think he flamed out after that. Because well, before before Lynch was. Sean Alexander, mm. and he he had a beast. What that one beast year? And after that was nothing. Because well, Sean was the Madden curse. I was gonna say Sean was good <laughs> for several years, but they rode him into the ground. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, they were like. Which he was already rode to the ground in Alabama. So yeah, that's the thing is, you know, he came from a run heavy offense in college to a run heavy offense in the pros, and yeah, he hit that. I think there's like a certain carry, like a career carry limit that people say, like once you hit that, you are. Yeah. Inevitably going to It's like a mileage on a car. Yeah, year. and he did. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was one, yeah, that one season, like after the Madden cover came out with him on it, that he was just like, all right, never going to play well again. I think the only thing I can kind of defend Tom Brady on being the GOAT is after he left, 
New England. He went to Tampa, won a ring. And at first, that was the most talented team in the entire league. The only yeah. reason they didn't win before because Jameis was throwing over thirty interceptions. <laughs> yeah, but in, and so when he got there in the beginning, it was kind of like I think they let Bruce Arians, you know, run run plays. Yeah, or whatever. Tom Tom brought the New England offense and combined it with Bruce's offense, right. which honestly is the perfect marriage because New England with Tom was dump off after dump off. The way that they oriented their offense meant that Tom Brady was throwing anywhere from negative five to five yards beyond the line of scrimmage for 90% of the game. Right. And that's all he did was he threw to a slot receiver, he did bubble screens, he tossed it to the running back coming out of the backfield. That that was his that was his offense. Well, because New England never had a great run game, though. They well, always... they did when Tom first got there. They were your prototypical, like, run the ball, play good defense. You know, Brady was a game manager, like I said, until... Randy Moss came in, all of a sudden they had the best wide receiver in the league, you know, and decided we can just open up the floodgates. And that's when Tom Brady did let loose. I will say that year he was killing it because he was actually throwing deep. But the think. thing about, the thing to me that makes a great quarterback is that they can do something that no other player can do. Like, you look at guys like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, these guys are doing things that no other person in the position is going to do. Peyton Manning was... Like, he was his own offensive coordinator. He was calling things at the line. He knew what the defense was going to do. So would you, it. would you say he's the greatest quarterback? Um, it's, it's tough. I mean, I think I'm going to get called biased because I've always been a Packers fan. I think Aaron Rodgers is the best. <laughs> but, you know, the thing about Peyton and Rodgers is that they have had bad defenses every, pretty much every single year they've been in the league. Their special teams Usually not great either. That's why they never make the Super Bowl, because it's an incomplete team. You know, the one of the things that I was looking at on Brady today is that while he was on the Patriots, uh, the Patriots had more success on special teams than anyone else. Like, their field goal kicking percentage was first or second the entire time. Field goal percentage against them was the worst. Nobody played worse, like, against other teams than when they played the Patriots. Hmm. For some reason, everybody Intimid- played intimidation. Forward. Yeah, and, and maybe it's the mystique. Yeah. You know, but then again, you know, they also play away games too. So yeah, I, I guess it can't always be the home field advantage where the you know they're turning on the weather machine and making it snow like people think that Bill Belichick does. <laughs> but you know, cheating scandals aside, yeah, you know, there's like you got to have a complete team to win. And so for some reason, I, I don't know what it is. Teams always play worse against the Patriots, which again. <laughs> Bill Belichick's a great defensive mind. He takes away like everything the, the opposing offense does, which is why Tom Brady has won two Super Bowls, leading his offense to 13 points. Jeez. 13 points in a Super Bowl, and he's won twice doing that. But the, And that's following horrible playoff performances. Tom Brady usually plays like Blaine Gabbert in the playoffs and still wins because his teams are just that good. You know, he can throw three interceptions against the Packers. Wait, are you saying that's why Blaine was his backup? Yes. <laughs> but, you know, like you look at that first year they were with the Bucks. I mean, the Saints dominated them both times in the regular season. And then they get into the playoffs. The Saints have four turnovers and the Bucks have none. That's why they won. Yeah. Then they get to the Packers game. They go into Lambeau uh, and Tom Brady throws three interceptions. He has a horrible passer rating. He does next to nothing. But he's always set up with short fields. That's usually how he wins playoff games is he's always set up with a short field. He's got a good running game. He's got a good defense. 
And so he doesn't have to do a whole lot. You know, he can make one or two good passes a game and then make the stat line look good, you know, because he's never playing from behind. He's always got good field position. He doesn't have to do too much. But there's nothing that Tom Brady's going to do that other quarterbacks can't do. If you just play within a system and that system's good, then, yeah, you're going to be successful, which is what he's done. Well, okay. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you surround yourself with lots of talent in a system that works. True. And, and yeah, you're going to have success. And you look at the longevity that he had with those coaches. I mean, you know, those coaches in New England stayed there for years. You look at guys like Joe Montana, who won four Super Bowls with the 49ers. If he, if he had stayed with Bill Walsh, if Bill Walsh was his uh, head coach for that long, he could have won more. Yeah. But, you know, Bill Walsh innovated the West Coast offense and then was like, you know, after, I think, three Super Bowls, three or four Super Bowls, he's like, all right, I'm old. I've won a lot. <laughs> I'm done. But then Steve Young came in and performed even statistically better than Joe Montana did. Yeah. I mean, he only won one Super Bowl, though, because by that time, the, the coaches that had made that team so successful to begin with left. So Steve, I mean, Steve Young, people argue, is more talented and a better quarterback than Joe Montana, but he only won one Super Bowl because the talent kind of left. Yeah. And then, you know, the coaching, well, yeah, the coaching left, the, the talent around him kind of left, and, you know, all the great players defensively and offensively. I mean, you know, he had Jerry Rice on his team for a long time. Sure, but, well, yeah, he did have T.O. too. And, I mean, they were great back then. The 49ers were making the playoffs, like, every year. Uh, you know, as a Packers fan, the 49ers were like, the, they've always been the Packers kryptonite. Mm. Uh, even back then in the Steve Young days, like, Brett Favre came in, and I, I think they still struggled. But Well, that and their division was pretty crappy up until here yeah. recently. Well, that's that's another argument against Brady is that the – NFC, uh, sorry, the AFC East during his time there was, was garbage. Uh, it wasn't until they got to the he got to the NFC South that there was at least one great team he had to go up against, and he got dominated. I think both, that, both times in the regular season by seventeen. I think that's what it was. Uh, which when he would announce his retirement, I was like, I'll believe it when the season starts. But <laughs> the joke is that's why he came back was because he knew his division was still garbage because the Saints didn't make a play yeah. on quarterback. And Atlanta looks like garbage. Carolina's garbage. So it's pretty yeah, it's much automatic. Easy road. Yeah. yeah, he's retaining the talent. You know, <laughs> I mean, if you've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Leonard, uh, let's see, did they get Lenny back? Yes. Okay, so they got they Lenny did. back. Uh, I mean, I th- I he's think got a great he, offensive line. I actually think he restructured his contract to bring Lenny Probably. back in. But, I mean, yeah, they got a great offensive line. They got great is- skill positions. They have a great defense. I mean, I, I don't mm-hmm. even... Yeah, I don't know what there is to lose. Yeah. You know, he's playing down in Florida weather, so it's it's nice all year round when you get swamp ass, but you know, <laughs> aside from that, it's it's not too bad. Uh, I had another NFL question for the debate, but I think we carried pretty long. I don't want to bore everybody, but if we have time, we'll go back to it. So okay. I have other topics. So the, the since we both love pizza, some of these are going to retain around food because we love food. Yes. Um, so does fruit belong on a pizza? Yes. I believe so, too. <laughs> well, okay, so well, it's not much of a debate. Yeah, it's not a real debate. More of a discussion. So people who hate pineapple on a pizza, you guys can go to hell. Um, <laughs> but so a lot of people don't think, like, fruit should be warmed up. And I think that's the big, big deal is, like, fruit should well, be hot. What about an apple pie? Yeah, see, so I don't even think about that. Or like any, any kind of pie, like cherry pie, yeah, there's blueberry. Yeah, there's fruits and pies. There's a Cobbler. Lot of, yeah, a lot of desserts yeah. have heated fruit. I mean... I mean, I'm sure there are like plenty of appetizers and entrees with heated fruit. You know, I've seen uh, like some apple infused pork chops. You know, you like put literally big old apple slices in there. I'm trying to think. People is, think that's delicious. 
I'm trying to think, is there any other fruit on pizza besides pineapple? I mean, I guess well, you can count tomato as a fruit, but... Eh. Yeah, well, I always forget. Is tomato a fruit or a vegetable? It's on a vine. So, I think, yeah, it's... I think it is a fruit technically. This the seed the way the seeds are structured in there, I think, yeah. is also a determining factor. I want to say tomatoes are fruit. I think you're right. But so we'll discount right. that. Yeah, because that's <laughs> kind of cheating. I, like, uh, I don't I can't think of any other fruit on pizza though, besides pineapple. Um Yeah, I think people typically yeah. put anything else. The the pineapple's the heated debate, but personally I love Hawaiian pizza. Me too. I, I think they're great. <clears> because it, it, when you look at the flavor profiles you know, that, that are offered, like pineapple sweet. You also have, typically, on pizza, like pepperoni or other, like, meats. It kind like, of counters. Yeah, cured, yeah. Like cured meats, salted meats, that gives you that kind of, like, sweet versus salty, like, component. And that's so good. Yeah. Like, I love sweet and salty, like, flavor combos. I love paydays uh, because it's, like, the sweet caramel. It's too many nuts for me. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a homophobic thing or anything like that. It's just too... Too many peanuts. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm a fan of legumes. So. Nuts. Oh, okay. Thank you. That, that's like <laughs> the, uh, when you get into the like biology, the classifications, the family, oh, like okay. all that stuff. Okay, okay. Uh, peanuts, it's, like all those nuts fall into like the lagoon, the lagoon family. family. Okay. It's for, like a, an amphibian, but not an yes. amphibian. I don't okay. remember if legumes are like the species <laughs> yeah. of the family. I don't remember much of my biology classes, but. All right, staying on pizza, so we, we had this discussion in our, our work Discord a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to get your take on top three pizza chains. Okay. Starting three three to one. Three to one. Oh, yeah. God. Um, so, and I, I'm, I'm mainly thinking of, like, your fast food type okay, chains. Okay, yeah, that, that makes it easier because um, there's there's a lot of good pizza places that are, yeah. like, small. I, think I would say nothing that you can really, like, dine in, dine in. No. Gotcha. Well, you know, you used to be able to die in a pizza. Yeah. When they had buffets, those were great. Um, but maybe not so much now because I don't really care for them. But anyway, question. Good. Does Godfather's yes. count? Okay. Yes. Okay. I was going to say. I'll count that. That's, it's such a, I feel like it's such a small Man, I forgot all about Godfather's too. I almost did. Then I was, you said buffets, and I was like, oh, they used to have a buffet. They might still. I think live. the one in Tillman still does. Yeah. Uh, the COVID kind of ruined that. Yeah. So, but I think the one off of. Uh, Moffat still has all the stuff for it. Anyway, so if I was... Okay, that's a good question. I've never... I don't think I've ever tried to rank them. Um, I eat Hungry Howie's all the time. So okay. it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be two or three. I'm just going to say Domino. Uh, sorry, not Domino's. God, I, I used to work for Domino's. <laughs> I, I got tired of it after a that, while. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, knew, I knew your uh, cousin did, Lucas... And uh, I didn't know you did. Okay. So my first job right after college, uh, I came home in that summer. Uh, I got a job as a delivery driver. Oh, okay. At Domino's. Um, and at first I was thrilled. You know, I was like, pizza all the time? Yes. <laughs> if somebody didn't It's come not in. even on a bagel. I know. I didn't, like, I didn't even have to order it sometimes because, you know, people like ordered it but then didn't come to get it. Oh, or really? if it was like a messed up order and like they didn't want it, then it just sits and the staff could be like sneaking slices, yeah. you know, when they have some downtime. So that anyway, yeah. Distracting side note. Right, three, number three. Uh, I'm gonna go Marcos. Mar wow, really? Okay, yeah. three Marcos. So that means wow. Hungry Howie's is two. Hungry Howie's is two. God, those flavored crusts, man. I love the flavored crust at Hungry Howie's. 
So number one? Yes, it's Godfathers. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. You hold Godfathers so I love so Godfathers, high. dude. Well, I love it. I'm going to say the only thing, are, like, I just love their taco pizza. Everything else is like, eh, it's okay. You know, it. I don't get to have it very often, but when I do, I'm like, God, even their, like, pepperoni, it's something about the cheese. Right. I, I feel like they're, I don't know if it's, like, a higher cheese to sauce ratio or, like, what they do, but I feel like something is different about the way that they make pizzas. And then if you get, like, extra pepperoni or something, they'll, like, add an extra layer of pepperoni, but they'll put more cheese on top of it. And it just, I don't know, I just feel like it's so good. The way that they make pizza. Cheese maniac. I am. I am a cheese <laughs> maniac. So, okay, mine mine would be, I mean, now that you mentioned Godfathers, I didn't ever think about Godfathers. I totally forgot about it. They, they do have the best taco pizza by yeah, far. I mean, um, I agree. Um, and that's, that will be my honorable mention, just because that's the only really thing I love about Godfathers. Um, so three for me would be Domino's. Even though you hate Domino's. Only only reason I picked Domino's is uh, one, I really like their handmade toss crust or whatever. Handmade mm. pan crust. Pizza. Oh, yeah, I will say that pan pizza. Yeah. I, I was actually craving that recently. That one's really good and super greasy and delicious. Oh, yeah. It's because I'll, I'll tell you, you know, how, you know why it's like that? It's because when we get the pan out, right, I, say, right. I say we, you know, as if I still work there. <laughs> but yeah, you, you get like a liquid butter, yeah. and you get a brush, you brush the pan, then you brush the dough. Yeah. So you're like double buttering everything so that it doesn't stick to the pan. And God, yeah, it gets so greasy. So, is there. Their pizza's good, and I can. it's it's cheap to me. So it's a good cheap pizza, because like, if you need a carry-out special, you can get like a large pizza with up to three toppings for like $7.99 or whatever. And I, I always get that. Cheap. Yeah, so that's three for me. Two for me is Howie's. Because their pizza is good. I have my go-to there is always cheeseburger pizza with uh, jalapenos on it. Plus they do stuffed crust. Yeah. And their stuffed crust is good. Yeah, their stuffed crust is good. And the flavored crust is also amazing. Mm-hmm. And my, my, I'm the exact opposite of you. Marco's is one for me. Oh, really? You know, I've, I've certainly been eating Marco's more just because, you know, Roth works right by that Marco's. Yeah. Uh, and you well, know, now there's Lost Pizza. So. Yeah. Well, I was I, I was discounting Lost Pizza because yeah, it's not it's a not, it's not, it's not a chain, chain. <laughs> technically, or if it is a chain, it's not big enough to count. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I've started getting Marco's more because it's cheaper than yeah. Hungry Howie's. And honestly, yeah, I mean, yeah, like low key, I might like it. So they a little more. The thing that okay, so <laughs> part of this is getting a deep dive. Yeah, here. like there's an emotional aspect because I hate talking on the phone. <laughs> And when I want to order a pizza, I do it through the app because every place should have an app now. Yeah. Uh, so that way I don't have to talk to anybody and I can make sure there's no confusion. Like I'm going to, it's going to come up on the screen exactly what I yep. ordered and I can customize exactly. without having to keep you on the phone. You can just spend all that time making my pizza. Well, that instead. and sometimes they're so but, busy, they don't even answer their phone. Yeah. But well, that too. But the thing about Hungry Howie's app is that it's so easy. Hungry Howie's app is the best. Really? Yeah, I think so. Their really? online site sucks. Really? Yeah. I've been using the Hungry Howie's app like for years now, and it's so easy to use, yeah. and it works so well. I've never had any problems. Marco's app is the worst. Marco's, yeah, Mar- the, Marco's is the worst by far app the of worst. any food chain of any kind. And if you go on like the App Store, I think it's got like maybe one star at the highest. Yeah. Everybody has nothing but negative things to say. I, about. I mean, I say that, but I I used the app uh, the other day to order my pizza, yeah. and it came well, out fine. People but say it's, it's unreliable, it, and it is. It is hard. It's hard to use. Like if you've got coupons, it won't tell you what the coupons are mm-hmm. uh, until you've like finished your order, and then it gives you the option to use them 
and then it's like, would you like to use this one? And it's like, well, I mean, can I? Yeah. I don't know. You never told me what it was. <laughs> I, I mean, think I, I, the reason I put them on is because I, I think they have really good sauce. Mm-hmm. Their pizza sauce is fantastic. Um, and uh, they also have this Old World pepperoni. Like, yeah, the, the small I'm pepperoni. not the biggest fan of the Old World pepperoni. Really? I, I think the I Old World pepperoni is better. I don't, okay. know, I don't know what it is. Right. Maybe that's why. It's classic. Yeah, because the, the pepperoni, was it Classico? Is that uh-huh. what it's called? Uh, the Classico. The Classico. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to break this episode up into two parts. So next week, we'll continue on with these amazing debates. David and I carried on longer than expected, which is to be expected since he hasn't been on the pod in a while. So tune in next week for part two of this. Don't forget to go to the IG friends underscore of underscore flavor follow. Follow Weezy Baby on IG, TikTok. And with that, I'll say don't forget to check on your friends, but more importantly, don't forget to check on yourself. Peace.